Good morning to you. Uh, even though we're separated physically on Easter morning, it really gives me joy to be able to fellowship with you uh, spiritually and through technology to take a few moments to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on this Easter morning. I do pray that God will touch the heart of every person who's tuning in with us, uh, that God will touch you with his peace. He'll encourage you. He'll comfort you. He'll strengthen you this morning. Easter is a day of hope. It's a day of joy. And the world really needs hope and joy right now. I want to tell you something that I've found remarkable. For weeks now, as this coronavirus pandemic is turning the world upside down, every morning when people log into the internet and we look at the news and we look on social media, we've been bombarded with lots of discouraging realities, people getting sick, so many people dying, and so many more people um, being negatively affected through the economic crisis that we're facing. It's a really hard time. And yet, in the last few days, something remarkable happened, which is that my social media feed, probably like some of you, has been flooded with all these people getting online, showing videos of themselves, and, and sharing it with the hashtag, Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed my life. Now, if you haven't seen any of these videos, I encourage you to get onto social media and search hashtag, Jesus saved my life. Because there's millions of these videos. And what's happening is that people are wanting to share with the world, even in dark times, we can take seriously the reality of pain. We can even face the harsh reality of death. But we can still have hope. And we can have hope because of a relationship with Jesus. You see, Easter is celebrating the resurrection of Jesus because the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus tells us that not only is God's love deep enough to go down into the depths of our human evil and pain and brokenness, but God's love is stronger than death. And that's a story which has the power to touch each of us in our personal lives. Um, my, my life story is that Jesus encountered me in a way that helped me to see that I was messed up in many ways, but then helped me to see that God still loved me and that by entering into a relationship with Jesus, I could be forgiven for all my sin and I could now experience God's peace in a way that would give me power and purpose in life. So what I want to do this morning is take a few minutes to open up the scriptures and talk to you about how does that work. So everybody tuning into this video, no matter where you are in your life experience or on your spiritual journey, the message of Easter is a message for you. The love of Jesus can transform your life. And to help us see this, I want to invite you to look with me at the scriptures and in the book of first corinthians chapter 15 and we're going to look at some words that were written by a guy named paul now if you haven't heard the story of paul i got to tell you paul did not start out his adult life as a fan of jesus paul was a deeply religious man but he thought jesus was a phony and in fact he thought that the story of the resurrection of jesus was some kind of hoax and that the Jesus movement, what we call Christianity now, that that movement, Paul thought it was some kind of cult that was manipulating and confusing people. So Paul, as this deeply religious man, did everything he could to try and stop the Jesus movement, even 
to the point of violence and, and putting people in prison for following Jesus. And yet, uh, Paul famously had this moment when he was uh, journeying on the road to Damascus and on his journey, the risen Lord Jesus appeared to him and spoke to Paul. And that moment changed the trajectory of his life. Paul had his moment, which we're now calling the Jesus, hashtag Jesus changed my life moment. And that encounter with Jesus gave Paul a radically different perspective on life. And after this, instead of being an enemy of Jesus, Paul experienced God's forgiveness and now he couldn't stop talking about Jesus. So he started going around everywhere telling people about Jesus and starting these churches. Now, uh, some years passed and he's writing a letter now to his friends in the Christian community at Corinth. And in this letter, he's trying to help them focus on the most important thing in life. What Paul says is the key to the meaning of life. And he says that's the death and resurrection of Jesus. So let's read the passage together. Then I'll try and help you uh, draw out some of the key ideas that are happening in this text. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. Then He appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. This is the word of God. Now there's a lot of really good stuff happening in this text of scripture. Uh, But I just want to take a few moments to look at a few of the details that are happening here. In a way that's going to help us really dig into the heart of what Easter is all about. So we'll put the words for the scripture back on the screen and we're going to highlight a few phrases at a time to help us notice these details. First, I'll invite you to look with me at verse 3. I want you to notice these words, first importance. Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now what Paul's saying here is, I'm about to tell you what I think is the most important thing you could ever hear. Basically, he's saying, I'm giving you what I think is the key to the meaning of life. Now, that's a bold statement. But Paul is not claiming, hey, I'm a really smart guy and I figured out what life is all about. If you look again, he says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. In other words, he says, I'm going to tell you the meaning of life, but this message I'm giving you didn't originate with me. It's not coming from me. This is something that I received from God. Now I'm passing it on to you. So what is the message? 
What does Paul think is the meaning of life? Well, back in verse 1, Paul called it the gospel. He used this phrase. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. Now, the gospel is an important word that simply means good news. It's called good news because when you understand the gospel, it gives you life, it gives you joy, it connects you to the life of Jesus in a way that can give you peace and power and purpose in your life. It's called the good news. In other words, it's not called good philosophy or good ideas. This is news. Paul is telling the people about an event, something that happened in history which changed the world and which changed his life and which can still change our lives today. So what is the news? What is the event? Paul summarizes that for us in verses 3 and 4. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So first, let's notice this word Christ. When Paul says the word Christ, he's talking about Jesus. But when he says Christ, we need to understand Jesus Christ, that's not like the first name and the last name of Jesus. The word Christ is a title which means Messiah, it means Savior. Paul is saying, long ago, God promised to the Jewish people that he was going to send a king anointed with power to save the world. And that Savior is Jesus. He's the one that we've been waiting for. The Jewish prophets, the prophets of Israel foretold his coming. That's why he keeps saying, according to the scriptures, the prophets of the Old Testament said he was going to come and now he has come and he's the savior. What did he do when he came? Well, first he died for our sins. Notice he died for us. He died for our sins. Paul is saying Jesus was here as a substitute for us. You see, when Jesus died, this was God himself who had clothed himself with a human nature, with human weakness, so that he could come among us to be our Savior. Jesus lived a life of perfect love, perfect kindness, perfect wisdom, and yet he, he died on the cross as a criminal. And what was happening there was that God was taking upon himself my guilt. He was taking upon himself our sin, our pain, our death. Jesus was taking what we deserved so that we could get what he deserves. See, if we want to understand what Jesus did for us, first we have to reckon with the fact that we've all sinned. In other words, we have all participated in the evil and brokenness of the world. Sometimes we, we like to talk as if evil was something out there. Evil is those bad people, those murderers or those oppressors or those racists. But the reality is, if, if we look within ourselves carefully, I think all of us will find at times we have participated in those same evil impulses. We've been selfish. Um, we've been willing to hurt other people in order to get our own way. We've been dishonest. Perhaps we've manipulated others to promote ourselves. And, and Paul and the Bible says we need to take really seriously the fact that that sin, that evil is... is Something like a cancer that gets inside of us, that kills us. But Jesus, the Son of God, came and He bore our sin. He bore our death. He bore our punishment as a substitute. He died for us on the cross. And then He rose 
for us from the grave. He was raised on the third day. Now, again, I want you to notice here when, when Paul talks about the resurrection of Jesus, he's not talking about some religious idea. He's talking about an event, something that really happened. And that becomes clear because in the next few phrases, Paul mentions six different times that Jesus, the risen Jesus, appeared to people after his resurrection. And it's clear that when Jesus appeared to people, every time he encountered people, he had a transforming effect on their lives. Uh, Let's just look at a couple of these. Verse 5 mentions that Jesus appeared to the twelve. To Cephas, that's another name for Peter, and then to the twelve. Now, this is talking about the twelve disciples of Jesus, but we need to remember, Jesus told these guys he was going to die and then come back to life, and they did not believe him. So then when Jesus got arrested, they all ran and hid. They were scared for their lives, and they did not believe that what Jesus said was going to happen. They didn't really even understand it. But after Jesus rose from the grave, he appeared to them. And when they encountered him, that changed everything for them. These guys who were cowering in fear, now they were filled with a courage and a, and a life and a love such that they went around and started telling everybody about Jesus, even though for many of them that cost them their lives. The same Roman Empire that was threatened by Jesus and, and killed Jesus also came and, and killed a lot of these men. So uh, their lives were changed. We see in verse 6 that at one point, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Wow. So, so <laughs> there were a lot of eyewitnesses. If we want to understand, how did this tiny Christian movement spread so fast and change the world so fast? Part of the answer is that in the early years, it wasn't just one or two or 10 or 20 people. There were hundreds of people who did not believe in Jesus until they had a count encounter with the risen Jesus. They saw him. They witnessed Jesus. And after Jesus encountered them, their hearts and their lives were changed. And one of the people that had this kind of experience was Paul himself. Look with me at verse 8. Paul says, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he, that is Jesus, appeared also to me. He goes on and says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. So Paul is acknowledging here, I was an enemy of Jesus. I was trying to stop the Jesus movement. And then Jesus appeared to me. He showed me grace. He showed me mercy. He showed me love. And that changed absolutely everything in my life. And when Jesus appeared to me, all of a sudden I went from being an enemy of Jesus to a person who through Jesus has a whole new life in relationship with God and that grace transformed me and now I started working hard to try and get this message of the good news of Jesus out to everybody. So that's that's the transformative power of the gospel. But Paul is saying, listen, that same power that changed my life, it can change your life. And to understand this, let's look back again at verses 1 and 2. Look at what Paul says. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. In other words, when I told you about Jesus, you believed my message. You trusted Jesus. You believed the the gospel. And then he says, in which you stand, because you have believed 
the story that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again. Because you have trusted Jesus, now you are standing in that message. It gives you a firm and secure place to stand in a crazy world. And then he says, and by which you are being saved. Now this is interesting. We got we to gotta notice this. A lot of times when Christian people use the word saved or salvation, they're talking about one of two things. Either they're talking about a religious experience they had earlier in life. And they say, this is the moment where I believed in Jesus and I was baptized and that's when I got saved. Or they're talking about something that will happen in the future that uh, one day after I die, instead of being punished for all the bad things I've done, God in His mercy is going to bring me into His presence to enjoy Him forever. And those are both really important truths. But actually when the Bible uses the word salvation, it's talking about something that includes that, but it's much bigger than that. He's saying here, you are being saved. Which means if you trusted in Jesus 10 years ago, the, the good news that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again is, can keep saving you. It can keep transforming you today. And Paul actually is trying to stir us up to some spiritual urgency. He says, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you. In other words, this message of Jesus, it is the most important thing. It's the key. It's the, the meaning of life. And you need to hold on to it as if your life depends on it. And as you hold on to that good news of Jesus, it will keep changing you. Now, to help you understand this word salvation, I'm going to give you a little picture to look at. Let me put this on the screen. This little stick figure in the middle of the picture um, could represent the human race as a whole. But also, you could think of it individually, like this represents you. So, look at that stick figure and think, that's, that's me. And what you see represented here is a state of affairs um, that the Bible describes in the first two chapters of the Bible. God created human beings and we were made to enjoy relationship with God. So you see there's a two-way blue arrow between God and humanity, between God and you, between God and me. We were made to enjoy connection with God. And as we enjoy that relationship with God, that also allows us to experience peace and wholeness in every other area of our lives. So human beings were created to enjoy peace with ourselves to enjoy peace with other people, to enjoy peace with nature, with the created world. But then in Genesis chapter 3, we read a story about sin, human beings rejecting God, rebelling against God. And that brought brokenness. It, it ruptured our relationship with God. It, and because of that, we're experiencing alienation from God. And that, that brought about all sorts of other pain and alienation and brokenness in our life. So now we see there's a red X through our, the, the blue, area, blue arrow connecting us to God. And that leads to all these red X's. When our relationship with God is broken, our relationship with ourself becomes broken. We begin to experience guilt and fear and shame. And sometimes we try and fix this through seeing a therapist or, or meditating. And those are all really good, helpful things to do. But uh, our best strategies really can't heal the fact that our relationship with ourself is broken because our relationship with God is broken. Also, our relationships with other people get messed up. So, many of us ex have experienced 
pain and brokenness in our own families and friendships. And then, of course, in the world, we see big problems like war and, and racism and oppression and injustice. And finally, we experience this alienation from the natural world. The, the created world is filled with beauty, but then we also experience problems like natural disasters and diseases that can spread and fill the world with death and chaos. And what the Bible is teaching us is that all of that brokenness is a symptom of our disease, but the real disease is broken relationship with God. So when the Bible says salvation, what it means is that God is on the move by His mercy and grace to heal our relationship with Him. And when our relationship with Him gets healed, He can also begin to heal our relationship with ourself and our relationship with others and our relationship even with the natural world. So when we talk about salvation, we're talking about God restoring peace in all those different areas. Let me try and break this down and make it really simple. For the last few moments of, of this time studying the scriptures today, I want to look into my camera, look through your screen, and try and look into your eyes. I want to appeal to your heart at a personal level. And I want to say this. Like me, you and, and the whole world, we, we have all experienced what it means to be alienated from God. Our peace with God is broken because of, because of our own sin. And that broken relationship with God breaks our relationship with ourself and with other people. But the solution, the healing, the medicine we need is Jesus. When we trust Jesus, we, we don't have to earn a relationship with God. It's a gift that God gives us. And we just have to believe the gospel. We just have to trust Jesus. When we trust Jesus at that very moment, God forgives our sins. God heals us. God brings us into a relationship with himself. If you've trusted in Jesus, then you're forgiven and you're actually adopted. You're now a child of God and nothing can separate you from his love. And that's glorious good news. It's good news that gives us hope for the future. Even if we die, we have the hope of resurrection. We will rise with Christ to live in a new creation, a world that's been made whole and filled with the peace of God. But that's not just some news for the distant future. That's news that can transform our lives today. Remember, Paul said to Christian people, you are being saved by the gospel, by the message of Jesus, which means today, e even if you put your faith in Jesus 20 years ago, you're being invited to trust Jesus again today, to, to simply believe the message. God loved you so much that he entered into the human story. He clothed himself with human weakness. He died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the grave so that by trust in him, you can keep going deeper and deeper into a relationship with Jesus so that he can be saving you, transforming you so that you can have peace with God. You can experience deeper levels of joy, deeper levels of intimacy in your relationship with God. And that can, in turn... Keep transforming you so you can experience deeper levels of peace with yourself and with others. And ultimately, we're looking forward to the hope of Jesus bringing peace into the whole realm of creation. So what I'm, a, what I'm saying to you at a personal level, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, I just want to plead with you right now. You can have the peace of God. You can have the hope of life after death, the hope of a life and a love that 
transcends death, that's stronger than death. And that's not something you have to earn. All you need to do right now, wherever you are, is say, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I open my heart to you. Jesus, I ask that you would heal me, that you would transform me by your grace. And before we finish today, I just want to pray for you that God will help you to experience that peace and joy in your life in a deeper way than ever before. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And I pray right now that everybody who's hearing this message, uh, that your spirit would give them the grace to trust in Jesus, to be united with Jesus, and to experience the freedom and the peace and the joy that comes from being connected with Jesus and his death and resurrection so that we can have peace with you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.